0: At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. Father God, we thank you for your covering. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Your word says herein is love, not that we first loved him, but that he first loved us. And gave his son to be the propitiation of our sins, to be the covering for our sins. Jesus, how we love you. Jesus, how we magnify you. Jesus, how how we bless your name speak to us now God through your word thank you in advance for what you're about to say to us God you get the glory let fresh anointing remain upon our lives and then God ask us always that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight Mm. O Lord my strength and my redeemer Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise again. Would you join with me again in thanking God for Brother Patrick Lundy and for how he has blessed us so marvelously in this worship experience on this Sunday morning? Beloved, if you'll turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. The word of God reads like this. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I've been doing this series in the book of Colossians under the theme, Jesus is all I need, and I've used that as an overarching theme because the the theme or the focus of Colossians is on the superiority and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. But um, I want to give it a tag, give this text a tag. My consultant got with me this past week and said, Uh, Daddy, you ought to put a hook on it so that people can be able to follow it up uh, after Sunday. So I'm going to follow my consultant, and I want to put a tag on this text. And I want to talk to you as a sub-theme from the idea uh, Don't Fail to Love Your Children. Don't fail to love your children. I opened this message by... Admonishing parents to bless your children. Bless your children. Bless your children. Father, bless your child. Mother, bless your child. Parents, bless. Bless, bless your children. For every child born is a person created in the image and likeness of God, born with unlimited possibilities, and born with a purpose for which God will bring into fruition. There is no child born to be a problem, but every child is a blessing from the Lord. In Psalm 127, the psalmist says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gates. Children are a tremendous blessing. Your child is a tremendous blessing from the Lord. And then God He cares about children. God sees children as being so important that Jesus used a child to be the spiritual metaphor of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. We are told in the Gospel of Matthew that the disciples came to Jesus one day and asked the question, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And in response to their question, Matthew says that Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Beloved, if Jesus thought it noteworthy to use children as the representation of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God, It seems to me that you and I ought to take serious how we handle children. The letter to the Colossians is a wonderful epistle that speaks to us about Christian living. And in this text that serves as the basis for our teaching today, we have an outline given to us about the fullness that can be experienced in the parent and child relationship. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. This is a passage of Scripture that speaks to us about the Christian home. It begins actually with verses 18 through 21, and in verses 18 and 19, Paul speaks to us about what God desires in the relationship between husbands and wives. Because if children are going to experience fullness in the house, then there must be parents, husbands, and wives who have a saving relationship with Christ. And we can better understand what Paul is saying and why Paul gives this spiritual directive concerning the home and why he speaks about the fullness that God wants to exist between parents and children when we understand the context of this text or the background of this text. For there was a place in Roman law where a father could do whatever he pleased with his children. He could sell them, he could make them a slave, he could even take their life. And so as Paul reminded us in verses 18 and 19 of God's elevation of the relationship between a husband and a wife, Paul now reminds us that in like manner, God brings about an elevation in the relationship between parents and children. The first elevation is an instruction to children. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. The first thing that is brought to our attention is that discipline is an indispensable aspect of the relationship between parent and child. That is to say discipline is not negotiable. Where discipline is absent fatherhood has been forsaken. And where discipline is inconsistent there is a lack of of love. Discipline involves it involves accountability, responsibility, boundaries, and self-control. In verse 20 there is a word there that's very important. It is the word obey. Everyone just shout obey. In verse 20 18. when wives are told to submit to their husbands, it is voluntary. In other words, when Paul, in verse 18, says, wives, submit to your husbands, it is not something that is made uh, for a wife to do, but it is a submission that she gives voluntarily, which means she has a choice in the matter. But in verse 20, When Paul says to children, obey your parents, it is a command that is absolute. That means that there is no choice in it. As a matter of fact, that word obey is really made up of two words. It's made up of the word listen and under. So, we could read this literally as Paul is saying when he says obey, he is saying to listen under your parents. Today, we will put it like this You know how you're talking to your child and you're giving some directions to your child and you're not sure if they are receiving what you're saying? And then you reply by saying to them, Are you listening? To me? Or you might say, Did you hear what I said? Obedience is predicated on listening. We've got to listen. Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend are two um, Christian psychologists. Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend are two Christian psychologists. They have written several books on the theme boundaries. And one of the books that they've written on boundaries is a book entitled Boundaries with Kids, Healthy Choices Making Healthy Children. Boundaries with Kids. And in this book, they remind us that one of the goals for parenting is to keep your eye on the future. The question is, are we raising our children to become responsible adults? That that parenting is not just about the present. Never forget that it is one's character that determines one's future. Because character at the end of the day is gonna be the determining factor as to how you function in life. And so then the, the, the pattern, the pattern that children develop while they're growing up, the pattern the children develop while they're growing up, which in essence is their character, is what they're, at the end of the day, that's what they're going to live out. And so if, if, if one's character is that which ultimately determines where you go and what you become, then parenting at the end of the day is about how mothers and fathers help to shape the character of their children so that they can be able to live a life that is safe, that is secure, that is productive and joyful. Think, if you will, for a minute about David. David, you know him as the major penman of the Psalter. David, you know him as the one who was a, a very brave warrior. He's the one that took a sling shot and took out a giant by the name of Goliath. You, you know David, he was a very anointed man. You know David, he's the one that served as the king of Israel and he is certainly one of the most noticed and noteworthy kings who served as the king of Israel. But when it came to being a father David failed. He was a major psalmist He's got more psalms in the Psalter than any other person. He was a very brave warrior. He was an outstanding king in many regards as the king of Israel. But he failed as a father. You remember David had a son by the name of Absalom. He had a son by the name of Ammon and he had a daughter by the name of Tamar. And his son Ammon began to look at his sister Tamar with the wrong look. He started looking at his own sibling, his own sister with an eye of lust and an eye of desire. And eventually Ammon let his lust and his desire for his own sister to cause him to cross the line, and Ammon raped his sister Tamar. When he raped his sister Tamar, uh, Absalom, the other son, became aware of it, and he was waiting on David to do something about it. He was saying, surely daddy is going to chastise Ammon, he's going to bring him into a place of accountability certainly he's not going to let this act go by unnoticed and not being dealt with but David didn't bring Ammon into accountability, David did not chastise Ammon, David did not hold Ammon accountable for what he did So then Absalom's heart becomes bitter. It becomes bitter. He's filled with anger because he is so frustrated that his own brother would rape their sister and then nothing is done about it. He's upset with his father David because David is not carrying out the responsibilities that he should have exercised as a father. So then, then, so Absalom says, Well, if daddy won't deal with it, I'll deal with it myself. I'll take matters into my own hands. But as a son, he was not mature enough to deal with it in a constructive manner. So rather than dealing with it constructively, Absalom dealt with it destructively. And so Absalom killed his own brother, Ammon who raped their sister Tamar. Come on, open your eyes and get this picture. In David's house, he's king of Israel, but his house is tore up. He's the king of Israel, but his house is messy. He's the king of Israel, but his children are out of control. One son rapes the sister Tamar the other son Absalom kills his own brother Ammon because daddy didn't deal with it. All this happened in David's house because he was so busy playing king that he didn't have time to handle his fatherly responsibilities. There was no discipline in the house. And then it gets a little worse because Absalom became so frustrated with David and his heart is filled with so much anger and malice that now he decides that he can no longer submit and follow his father's leadership so he decides he's going to lead a coup to undermine the leadership of his daddy David. Absalom goes and sits at the gate of the city and his people are going in and out of the city. Absalom sits there and says, Listen, says, if I were the king, I'd be more responsible for you than my father. David, he ain't got time for you. He's so caught up in the title king that he's busy parading in his position. But he's really not providing the kind of leadership that you need. If I were your king, I could do a much better job than my daddy. Absalom goes to the soldiers of Israel and he's able to get a host of the soldiers of Israel to now turn against David and now become a part of his team his army wherein they're going to try to overthrow David and take siege of the city of Jerusalem so now you got a major war And the war is Absalom and the soldiers who came alongside of him. Now they're going to war against David and the rest of the army of Israel. David knows that in the midst of this conflict, David knows that he and the army of Israel are going to eventually defeat Absalom and the soldiers who joined his coup. And David says to the captain of his army, Joab, he says, Joab, he says, make sure that no harm comes to my son Absalom. But as fate would have it, in the midst of the war, Absalom was killed. And when Absalom died, Absalom is buried and there is David. Look at David, the one who failed to be a father. Look at David, the one who was so busy being king that he didn't have time to provide the kind of responsible leadership and fatherhood and covering and protection and discipline accountability and responsibility that he should have exercised in his own house. He stands over the grave of his son Absalom. You remember what he said, don't you? David cried and said Absalom, Absalom, would to God that I had died in your place. But this morning I'm asking you to stand at that grave a little longer don't, don't stand there just long enough to hear David Absalom Absalom would to God that I had died in your place no stay long enough until you hear Absalom call back to his father from the grave pastor What did Absalom say to David from the grave? From the grave, when David said, Absalom, Absalom, would to God that I had died in your place. Absalom spoke from the grave back to his daddy and said, Daddy, I didn't need you to die for me. I just wanted you to live for me. And so Paul then says in verse 21 Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Father, don't beat your child down. Father, don't fill your children's lives. with with negative language. Fathers, don't use harmful words that become your description and your definition of your child. Because obedience is cultivated in an atmosphere of love. Be careful, Daddy. Be careful, Father, that you don't say things to your children that you don't handle your children, your child in a way where you break their spirit. I have a wonderful child. My namesake. Walter Malone III. God knows I love that boy. Unapologetically, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The only child Sandra and I have. I love him. Love him. I love my son. Proud of him. Proud of him got a great education he's got a great job he's doing great things sharp of mind sharp of mind rich in his spirit gifted as they come he's saved he loves the church He likes preaching particularly if you close it. (laughs) I love him. I love him. I love him. But when he was a little boy I was failing as his father. I was failing. I wasn't being the father to him that I needed to be. Cause I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I've been preaching since I was nineteen. And I've been pastoring since I was 22. From the age of 22 up to now, I've never done anything but preach this gospel. I have literally lived by the gospel that I preach. So, at the age of 28, I had started the Canaan Church. Walter was born February the 26th, 1984. We started Canaan in March of 83. He was born the Sunday that we marched into our first facility. That, that, That Saturday evening sometime, Sandra said, my water broke. I said, well, what water are you talking about? She said, I can't say what she said but she told me to get her to the hospital (laughs) and that Sunday morning he came into the world I left the hospital went home took a shower went over to Magazine Street Seventh-day Adventist Church and then led the church in the motorcade over to our first facility At that time in my life, I averaged about 20 revivals, Patrick, a year. Now there's only 52 weeks in the year. When I was doing revivals, there was no like two-day revival, three-day revival. It was Monday through Friday. So if I'm doing 20 revivals a year, half the year, I was gone. I was gone. I wasn't there like I needed to be. I was failing. My wife was there. She made all the special events in his life and so forth. But I was gone. I was on the road preaching. I was not trying to fail. It was not my intention to fail. I'm trying to take care of my house. I'm trying to provide for my family. But the issue became balance. And I noticed one time when I came home, I could sense a negativity with him. I could sense a disconnect, and I wanted to get upset with him. What's your problem, boy? I'm your dad, I'm out here preaching and I'm trying to take care of you and your mother and our house. What's your problem? God set me down. And God told me the problem ain't your son, the problem is you. You are preaching everywhere, but I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm your provider. You need to cut it back. Your son needs you. So I determined right then that I was going to do special things To recover, restore, heal the relationship with my son. So I started taking him out of the city. I said, Sandra, you can't go. This is just father and son. And I started intentionally telling him, son, a man's life is made up of five things, spirit, spirit, the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the social. And I said, you got to start with that spirit, man, because if you don't, the others will crumble. So I started sowing into him. I did it for about 10 or 12 years in a row, and I just kept taking it higher and higher and higher and higher. And then I began to show him some practical things. And then I talked to him about the lineage of his name that your granddaddy was Walsh Malone Senior, who he is, what that means, who I am, what your last name means. And after I did that for about 12 years, the Lord fixed it, the Lord turned it around, yeah. So today we have a wonderful relationship (laughs) We can, we can do some things together, <laughs> of which I will not mention. But, but I love him. And I told him, I'm sorry. That's what I told him. I said, I'm sorry that I missed some things, but I wasn't trying to miss it. That's why I apologized to him. I'm apolog- I apologized. And in some sense, even saying it this morning, being transparent to you, it's a public apology to him. I wonder if there are any fathers here who need to go find your children. And tell them, I'm sorry. I'll let you down on some things. Because I want you to know if you humble yourself, God can heal broken hearts. I was in South Africa, Joe and when I was in South Africa, I kept hearing people saying to one another, Demela, Demela, Demela. So after a while, I got inquisitive. I said to them, could y'all tell me, what do you mean when you say Demela? They said the word Demela means, in South African language, I believe in you. I have confidence in you. And I said, well, when do y'all say this primarily? They said, we say it to our children every morning before they leave the house. When our children walk out of the house, we say to them, Demela. I said, you mean to, to tell me that every time your child leaves the house, you send them out by saying to them, I believe in you. I have confidence in you. Mother, Father, can you imagine the strength of your children if you were to send them out of the house every day saying, I believe in you. I have confidence in you. Demela. I'm going to wrap this up. Mother, father, bless your children. Bless your child. Because your child is a blessing given to you by God. And you, there, there may be some person here today, a young person, could be an adult, who said, but pastor... I never knew my father. Yeah, you, your, your son knows you and even when you failed for a minute, God allowed you to recover. But I never, Pastor, I don't know my daddy to this day. He was never there. The Bible says, when my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. And I'm so glad that our God is a mother to the motherless and a father to the fatherless. I'm so glad that you can pray a prayer and say, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know If thou would draw thyself from me, tell me whether shall I go? Because God is a father who disciplines, who loves, who provides, who protects, and who cares. Our God is not an absentee father. He is there. He's there when you need him. In fact, he's always right on time. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. And I thank you, God, for the guidance you give to us for our homes. You've elevated the relationship of husbands and wives. You've elevated the relationship between parents and children. Help us as children, as children who may be grown but still mother and father living help us God to always respect our parents to always obey our parents and then God those of us who are parents help us to so speak into our children's lives Help us to so live a life that is exemplary, that we can help build them for the future, that they can live the life and be the person that you have saved them and created them to be. And I personally Thank you for what you did for me. Save now that man. Save that woman. Save that family. In Jesus' name, amen. The people represent the church no matter where we are. So stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.